Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Denver Air- by the Denver Airport to my Planet X. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny reports of how I'm doing. And our very own chemtrails. That's right. Conspiracy, Eric. How you doing? <laughs> I feel like someone is listening to this going like, oh, what is it? what are these references? I got to rewind this. I got to Google this. Yeah, when someone listens to this backwards, they're going to be really disappointed. It just sounds like a bunch of yokels. Um, yep, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> More or less. So uh, this week, uh, the Seahaw- in Seahawks news, the biggest news story of the week was people think, for some reason, that the, that the, there is any chance the Seahawks trade Russell Wilson to the Giants. Okay, Kevin, start us off. How stupid is this on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, chemtrails are looking good. <laughs> um, this is, aside from not making sense, it's also bad. Is that can I go with that one? So, what are they? What, what are the Giants going to offer us? Number one. Okay, so the amount of picks it would take for me to even consider uh, trading Russell Wilson, it's like two first rounders this year, uh, one first rounder next year, and maybe a couple second rounders thrown in or something like that. It has to be some absurd amount. Of yeah, value. it would have to be a haul. Now let me let me say I get kind of where these uh, rumors are coming from because we have a top five quarterback and we use him like he sucks. Um, <laughs> we protect him by constantly running in situations where he probably should be throwing, and uh, it's and it's really kind of it's ridiculous. It's, let's be honest, it's ridiculous. But that doesn't mean that you trade away uh, one of the five best quarterbacks in the league in his absolute prime. It's just beyond stupid, especially Eric. in a draft that lacks quarterbacks outside of maybe two. Eric, what do you think? Um, I feel bad because I put this in our group chat. My my coworker Sean was like, "Hey, buddy, go to Fox One. Russell Wilson wants to go to the Giants." It's like, and he kind of had this grin on his face. I couldn't find it anywhere. I had to like deep dive Google. Yeah, it's just Colin Cowherd nonsense. Um, no, no one in no universe. This is what we get for calling Colin Cowherd media. And this also comes. Uh, with the belief that he will leave in free agency as if we're not going to franchise Russell. This is the dumbest idea. Welcome to the offseason. Okay, so yeah, so you say welcome to the offseason. Like that, that's just like a normal turn of events. Like we yeah, got, it's just like we, you have to deal with – this is not something most teams are dealing with. No one's like, hey, uh, Colts, you going to you trade Andrew Luck? <laughs> well, if you think about it, last Andrew, year, Andrew Luck is just coming back from something good. Uh, Bob Kraft is the new big rumor because uh, he's having a pretty good off season, and you know why not? Like Colin Cowherd uh, used to, I think he came from Washington, and he hates all Seattle sports, and uh, thus I hate Colin Cowherd. He always talks up Russell Wilson, and I and I always thought like, oh maybe he just has a soft spot for the Seahawks. Maybe he really doesn't. And then he does this bull crap. He always talks like, trash. I mean, when we went to the Super Bowl, he said our defense was overrated and. He, he pulled some serious Trent Dilfer crap. I, I just have no respect for that guy at all. He's a yeah. talking head. He's right. just another Skip Bayless. Second just a younger Skip Bayless. Second, second biggest Seahawks story of the week. You guys ready for this? Yep. Uh, Jim Zorn is the coach of the new uh, Seattle XFL team. Eric, how do you feel? Guys, join me with me. Hip, hip. Hooray. Oh, hip, God. hip. I believe for those who, for hip hop. For those who don't know, Clinton, Clinton Portis just was Hip-hop out there hooray. a couple weeks ago just burying Jim Zorn. Just throwing out him under the nowhere. bus. Saying, like, the reason that we did so bad that season was that Jim Zorn made us say They started Hip-hip. off 5-1 and one and collapsed and, like, missed the playoffs, by the way. 
just saying that he said that Jim Zorn forced them to say hip hip hooray. He got he kind of like threw shade at them. No, they, dude, they had forced a, him to force them to sing the song hip hop hooray. No, I, was, I thought it was chant hip hip no, hooray. Chant, hip, hip, hooray. Oh, please tell me it was hip hop hooray. No, because no, hip hop hooray way. is way too street for Jim Zorn. This. Jim Zorn. Okay, no, that, I misread the article and it made it so much better. No, that would be actually be kind of cool. This is terrible. Um, I don't know. Jim Zorn doing it would make it kind of terrible. <laughs> Jim Jim Zorn also like they had a tradition of drinking a shot of Hennessy before the game to like remember Sean Taylor, uh, Clinton Portis, and a couple other guys. DJ Swearing. I don't remember who it was. Uh, but the but uh, Zorn kind of like gave them crap for it, and uh, then that's that seems bad. I guess I don't know. You probably shouldn't drink before work, but. But at the same time, I mean, if I had to play for Dan Snyder's team, I'd probably have to drink before work, too. It's definitely happening now. Um, I like the local ties. And as as big as you guys know as I am of an, being an AAF fan here, uh, the All-American Football Alliance, whatever it's called, uh, minor league football team. I saw a movie about that with Tom Hanks. There it is. <laughs> I'll say that, I don't know, I'm interested to see the XFL turn into a disaster in its first season. I'm excited. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. It'll be a dumpster fire. We get, we get local seats. I don't know. So I've watched some AAF football. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm willing to admit it. And it was not as bad as I thought it it's was going to be. It's kind of fun to watch. Yeah. It was like, I thought hot. it was going to be like hot trash. And instead it was just like medium trash. I was telling Kevin that it's like uh, Alabama versus Alabama. No. There's a distinctive problem. There's the no distinctive state? Hold on. Let me, let me explain what I'm saying, though. It's a lot of run plays. It's a lot of deep 15-yard passes. And that's why it's not And Alabama it's a lot of pass rush. Uh, because the problem is, it's a bunch of coaches who had outdated ideas in 2001 in the NFL trying to play with subpar NFL talent that you need to use in creative ways to make it interesting. Like, if you think you're just going to drop back and have Christian Hackenberg throw it within 15 feet of Cr- someone... Christian Hackenberg you're, got you're done. Christian Hackenberg got benched in the AAF. That says everything you need to know about Christian Hackenberg forever. Yep. <laughs> they were like, eh, that's good enough. He was mic'd up for his first game, and that's pretty funny if you can find that audio. Yeah. It's a lot of the F word. So. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is not a joke. Okay. So the the um and then NFL news this week. Uh that Clinton Porter story was the most upvoted story on Reddit. Oh, no. Other than Robert Kraft, which I'm not going to talk about. I just, Yes, bury Robert Kraft on your own time. This, not, not on my time. <laughs> the other one is the persistent rumors that we're going to somehow land uh, um, AB. I don't, understand, I don't understand people that think that. Um, number one... We already don't I, we have, already have a pretty base. solid... Uh, we don't have uh, any draft picks. What are we going to give up for? We don't have draft picks to give up for them. If we did have draft picks, we already have a solid wide receiver core. If we didn't already have a solid wide receiver core, um, this is a guy who's pretty abusive towards quarterbacks, and didn't we just purge that from our roster? Every like, every team has this, too. Every team this. wants a B. Uh, what, what's the uh, major puffin chest? What's he want to be called again? Oh, Mr. Mr. Big, Big Chest. Yeah, Mr. Big Chest. So every and team wants Mrs. Big Chest. Every I'd rather every team like, wants Mr. Big Chest. I'd rather just like get Golden Tate back or get Demarius Thomas or like there's a lot of what there's actually like some decent outside wide receiver guys, Quincy Anunwa, um, Robbie Anderson, Devin Funches, yep. Tyrell Williams. Like Tyrell Williams is gonna get overpaid like way too much. We're not gonna get him. But there's a lot of guys that I think could play like outside in our system that I will will have to give up nothing for. Or next to nothing. Instead of paying as the number one wide receiver and giving up draft picks? Yeah, I agree. Exactly. Um, okay. 
So let's talk uh, this week's topic. This week's topic is linebacker. So, so far going into next year, the Seahawks have four players under contract to play linebacker. Barkevius Mingo, uh, Shaquem Griffin, Emmanuel Beal, and Bobby Wagner. Okay, well, one of those matters. And I think that the Shaquem Griffin ha- potentially could matter, but we're going to need to see kind of a great leap forward for, from Shaquem. Uh, what what do you think the next what could turn the corner for Shaquem, Eric? Like, how could he turn the corner? Uh, honestly, I feel, and I'm looking at this in an optimistic way, I feel like we're going to see Shaquem in rotation next year. If not, then that's not a really good sign for his career. <clears throat> I don't really know what he's learned during the season. I think he started too early. Um, the guy can tackle. I don't know how in... Uh, I, I believe he's an invested player but i don't know how intuitive he is on the field i don't know what his defensive field vision is i would like to hope that we will see him in rotation next year as an outside player someone that could spell bobby at times uh someone who's probably not going to become leader on this defense but someone that can give us positive minutes as well as play special teams so yeah um do you think that he sees play on like the regular playing field next year though do you think that that's like a th- a regular thing or do you think he's still maybe another year of seasoning away from i don't that? know if i don't know if we I hope we see him next year because I don't know if you can keep him out two years. It's linebacker. It's not like, you know, he we, needs to. We've carried in the corner. We you know? carried special teams only linebackers for many years. Yes, yeah, but how how good did they develop? They didn't. They they, they were didn't, special teams but that only. Might exactly. be who she, that might be who Shaquem Griffin is. A fifth round pick for a plus special teamer is not a bad roster move and is not unheard of. It'd be disappointing a little, but. I don't think it would be. Um, I don't even think it would be a miss. It was a fifth round pick. I don't know, man. Our fifth round picks are usually pretty good. I don't know if it's a complete miss, but I think there's probably better picks you could have made. Uh, for me, the question is: Do they try and do, do they try him out at will linebacker, or do they try him out at Sam? So if he's a weak side linebacker, which is where he appears to have gotten a lot of his time last season, then that is going to be. Uh, beneficial to have over a year in the system working that position but if you look at his skill set coming out of college even though he's a little smaller for it a strong side linebacker with more of that heavy pass rush emphasis is probably what he's gonna be stronger in with Barcavius Mingo likely to be cut and probably not coming back that would free up some snaps at strong side linebacker I could see him and maybe Jacob Martin on a rotation for that strong side play I'd be totally okay with that. Jacob Martin playing stand-up linebacker is is um, not like I'm not super into it. Maybe like on the third downs, you know. Obviously, I'm fine with it. But the right, so rotating with Shaquem Griffin in that spot. Uh, if Shaquem Griffin, if Shaquem Griffin's uh, coverage skills improved at all, I would be willing to see what happens there. But we won't know until the preseason. It's hard like, it's- until there's actual live play. We won't know what his read and react looks like because practices won't give that to us. So there's um there's several free agents the Seahawks could look at that would be potentially scheme fits. Uh, the the one that caught my eye, um, and maybe maybe some people will think this is weird, but it's um Carolina Carolina Pan career Carolina Panther, thirty five years old, uh, Thomas Davis. They said that he's already said that the Panthers are not going to re-sign him. Um, and I think that this could be like a like-for-like like, um, replacement of KJ Wright that might come pretty cheap and has 
Um, he's farther away from his injuries. How about that? He had three ACL tears, but I mean, he's uh, farther removed from those injuries than KJ is. Um, and likely to be considerably less expensive. I, I would uh, tend to agree. Um, At his 35? age, though, with, what, 10 years in Carolina or something? Oh, more. Yeah. How, Go higher, like, how likely is he to want to move across country? Well, he already said he's not going back to Carolina and he wants to play football next year. Oh, all right. So that's those are two things that I, I would not object to trying to get him for like um, four million. Or the moonshot would be C.J. Mosley, but I'm like a hundred percent sure he's going to be back on the Ravens. He's an inside linebacker too, isn't he? Yeah, he, he, I mean, obviously, like pretty in, pure inside linebacker. In our system, like I think Bobby and K.J. both are playing a borderline inside linebacker position. Um, they never. It's not like that outside linebacker position rushes, and they play with two linebackers on the field. All the time at this point. That's true. Um, and then uh, the other guys um, you can get, if you want to go really cheap, Manti Teo uh, will be out there. Um, and I think that he's like a serviceable 200 to 300 snaps a season guy um, and should be really cheap. Kevin, what do you think about Manti Teo? Uh, I think Manti Teo is a solid player. I think there's a couple other people that caught my eye. I'm curious what Nathan's thoughts are. Uh, one is Dale Buchanan. Okay. Who I think in our system would make sense in that weak side linebacker spot, mm-hmm. especially with some extra coverage responsibilities. And he's a guy who doesn't seem to have picked up a lot of value league wide from the position he played in Carol in uh, um, Arizona. Safeties are undervalued anyway, and then like box safeties are like even more undervalued. Uh, it's like a, and then he didn't have a great season last season. He, it was kind of a down year, so maybe that puts like the shine off him. And he was playing on a pretty cheap deal anyway. He was making less than $2 million a year. So I think Dale Buchanan would be interesting. And then the other one I'm curious about your thoughts on is uh, Denzel Perryman. Um, okay. Denzel Denzel Perryman. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to like give me like or 30, 30 seconds to look up. Because I didn't look up his stats from last year. So just give me like 10 seconds. That's, yeah, the, no that's the Chargers player, right? Yeah, the former Chargers player. Okay. So he played for the Chargers last year. He had... 51 tackles. That seems bad for a linebacker. Probably um, probably cheap then. <laughs> so um, It's the same thing. It's a middle linebacker that we would need to convert. Um, he had a knee injury in week 10. Oh, so he's coming off a, he's coming off a knee injury? Yes. That's rough. This guy's going to be cheap, though. So that's... that's um, he could be an interesting depth signing. Yeah. Because I feel like our problem is our linebacker room is really thin. And yeah, we probably need to throw like two or three guys in there. What do you like about that guy, Kevin? Uh, what I liked about him is he's played in a similar system, what we run. Yeah, Gus Bradley is the coach for, for yeah. Chargers, so he's going to know what we're doing. Uh, he has the athleticism we need, which is kind of a problem with some of the guys who ran out there last year. And so if you can get a guy who just knows where to be and what to do, then that can be just some decent snaps. And what I want to do is create a, ce- a a solid floor. Right now, our ceiling for our linebacker room, if everything works, is pretty good. But our floor sucks. I we could very easily be in a bad situation. What about uh, when you say floor, I'm thinking of Brandon Marshall, linebacker Brandon, Mar- Brandon Marshall. Uh, I, last time I checked, he played with the Broncos. This guy was not good, but he raked up a ton of tackles because he was the guy in front of the runner. Uh, he improved quite a bit, and he actually got a payday for it, too. Yeah, is that... But, like, when he was on Denver, is that the guy that you're thinking, like, the floor? The guy who is just going to... I, I thought, to I thought Denver Brandon Marshall is pretty pretty good player, but... I'm in a similar situation. Really? Like, three years ago, Brandon Marshall, he was not good. I even said to you guys when, we were, when I was playing... Uh, 
the the IDP fantasy league, and you were like, he's not a good player. Well, he's, he's not good for that fantasy format. No, he, he was he was great. Yeah, he got like twelve tackles a game. What well, I'm saying is like, I, well, I, I remember three years ago, three years ago, you guys hated him. I just think he's like like the the ceiling isn't very high just because you. If, okay, if I was playing IDP fantasy, I just want to I want to go deep on this question because I'm ready. <laughs> if I was playing IDP fantasy, I kind of like those guys that can score you like 60 points in a week. I don't want a guy that's going to score you like 10 points every week, and that's all he is because he doesn't get sacks, he doesn't get interceptions, he doesn't force fumbles. Yeah, he just he's just a guy who just tackles. gets tackles. And so I mean, if and if your league scoring favored guys getting tons of tackles, then yeah, pick up all the all the tackle machine guys that are good for real football. But I don't think I would think not that good in the, that format. Um. Guys, Clay Matthews is a free agent. If we sign him, I'll never watch another yeah. Seahawks game. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Okay, just want to let you. We want to make sure everyone was clear. On that. Not only is he falling apart and he'll be too, ex- too expensive, but he's also a complete piece of crap. Um, so other than that, I like him. Uh, the Seahawks are not going to get the uh, the pri- any of the prizes of the linebacker class. So the uh, and honestly, we shouldn't Hicks, in a four three system. CJ this should Mosley. be a lower uh, outside linebacker in a four three system. It should be where you spend a little less money. I wouldn't mind if we if we did make a splashy signing in this offseason. Anthony Barr. If it was CJ Mosley, I wouldn't be that unhappy. I wouldn't be terribly sad about Anthony Barr. What's the splash for you guys? Like the money amount? Like eight million. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere between. If Mosley's getting million. eleven million from the from the Ravens, it's never we're never getting Okay, it. what if we get KJ for eight million? No. No. No, coming off the injuries he has and everything. Injury? We're paying eight million for what? I don't, that, I don't. It's too big of a question mark. That's like a legacy contract. I I wouldn't mind like maybe you know two years, fifteen with like not very much guaranteed money. Yeah, something, a lot of incentives for games played. Yeah, something like that. That's that's fine with. You just got to go through free agency to give them that yeah. though. Yep. Um, then yeah, my favorite's probably Dale Buchanan as far as like a kind of an interesting way of filling that. Yeah. Um. It's that's, like a, it's like a odd it's like a odd um way to to like approach that problem because we definitely like our linebackers to cover and he will he's pretty good at that and he and we also like our linebackers to you know fill holes in the run game and he's good at that too our what we ask our linebackers to do fit his skill set yeah really great and right now you know a little over six foot and around 220 pounds is an outside linebacker in the nfl so you know if we're not expecting him to rush the passer that is a size that is very functional so guys like that are what I'm interested in seeing. Um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Deion Jones for Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, somebody in that size range, and you'll see that with the draft prospects coming up in a second, is a player I think would make a lot of sense to fill that weak side linebacker spot on our roster. All right. Kevin, we're only one week away from the pro football focus draft guide, and I am I'm salivating. Like I I cannot wait. Like they said, gird that, your loins, gentlemen. They sent you that preview out, and I was like, oh, the preview's out, and it was quarterbacks, and I was like, mm, quarterback. We don't need a quarterback. Hey, I just I made an executive decision. Seahawks Nest fans, you ready for this? We're not gonna do quarterback this year because we got Russell Wilson. We're gonna do kicker instead. <laughs> Kevin, you ready to get deep scouting the kickers? I was born for this, and you know it. Uh, it's kicker, kicker was is the position that actually matters for the Seahawks too. Yeah, because um, why do you think we went so deep on punter last year? Yeah, All right. So speaking of draft, do we want to get into that for linebackers? Uh, I'm I'm mildly ready. Go ahead. <laughs> so I think we can all agree that unless we trade back into the early second round, we don't want to see a linebacker with our top overall pick. And even then, I wouldn't necessarily love it. Uh, 
spending one of our top picks on a starting weak side linebacker isn't super appealing. And I think we can get enough quality starts out of our strong side that we're past the days of picking up like a Bruce Irvin. Okay, um, but here's the thing. If we picked up a guy who could potentially play some on third, like a Bruce Irvin, like could play some uh, in there on on third down, could rush the passer, and um, is a good coverage guy, or like someone, if we can get someone in the mold of a uh, like Roquan Smith, that's a real game changer in terms of how well they cover. Don't you think that that's that would that would be worth it? Like you don't think that would be worth a first round pick? I think it would be worth a first round pick. There's one of them. Uh, he plays for LSU, and he's going to go in like the top twelve. Yeah, he's so, definitely going in the top twelve. Uh, but I scout—that's like the like one of the only guys I scouted. That's the only guy who <laughs> I think would fit your uh, qualifications there. Um, I would say the next best guy for us is probably Devin Bush out of Michigan, who's going to be like a late first, early second. He played inside linebacker at Michigan, but he projects more as like a weak side linebacker, or he could play like inside linebacker in a three-four. Um, and he's a dude that would make some sense for us, but otherwise I don't think any of the top linebacking prospects really make a ton of sense for what our team does. I, um, I'm with you on that. I mean, you, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard, but like, so, so Devin White, let's, let's talk. Can we talk about Devin White? Yeah. Devin White's really good at football. Um, if you like football things, you'll like Devin White because he's good at all of them. Cause this is a guy that I think. We could end up in with a, like, similar to um, last year's draft where we were hoping that that uh, Derwin James would fall, and then he fell one pick short. I have a bad feeling this is going to be very similar for me, where I'm like, Devin White's falling. Oh, he's, he's going a little deeper. Oh, it's like we're at pick 18, and then, like, two picks or one pick before we pick, he gets picked. All right, if I... Devin White falls to the early 20s, and he's there for Seattle to pick, um, to set it up, what I see is um, it is very, very good lateral quickness. Uh, he has plus speed. He has good size for an outside linebacker. Um, he actually has a pass rush set for blitzing. Yeah, he so blitzes good. If we blitz with him, I could see him getting between six and eight sacks easily. You know, you know what he did on the tape that I really like? He's, he, like, jumps gaps. Like, he, yeah. he just, like, he's in the gap and just, like, right in the mix. And he I can love. delay a blitz really well and pick up a spot on a stunt. Mm-hmm. So, um, he's kind of like Bobby Wagner in that way that he's just super efficient as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he has the physical skills to be able to cover tight ends and running backs. Um, he can even run with uh, slot receivers that don't have elite speed. I don't know... Um, they didn't ask him a lot at LSU to run with to like run the seam. That's not really the skill that they wanted him to use. So I didn't see a lot of tape of him doing that. That would be my only question mark. But he could be a four down linebacker playing the strong side linebacker and then being one of our two linebackers on the field on two linebacker sets. And he's really fast too. So I, I can't imagine that he would be like a terrible coverage guy unless he just doesn't understand it right that makes sense like unless it just doesn't make sense because i there were games where like some tight ends got past him but that's gonna happen not as good as he's not as good as roquan smith no uh he is a poor man's roquan smith but be very aware that that's still an extremely good player okay um what what's your uh what do you think of uh what do you think of mac wilson killer Uh, fade 
Look at that haircut. Mac Wilson, inside linebacker out of Alabama. Uh, good size. I don't. I don't know what to think of his play speed. Um, he was asked to do everything downhill, and so I couldn't. I didn't watch a lot of tape of him just because I didn't necessarily think he was a great fit for us. He looked small. That's like my my instant reaction is because I think some people might talk about this guy as like, hey, this guy might fall to the second round, and we maybe we trade back and get him early second. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I just think that he looked a little small, and that he had a lot of the same similar complaints that you had about Deontay Thompson, where like his tackling's all over the place, and he's over pursuing sometimes, and it's just like a little sloppy. Uh, I, yeah. Like I'd rather have uh, every time I went to watch tape on uh, Mac Wilson, I ended up watching a lot of Anthony Jennings which is uh, the other linebacker that people like coming out of Alabama. Yeah. And so, uh, and he's huge. He's built like a defensive end. He's yeah. an interesting player. Yeah. That, do you think that at the next level, though, he ends up playing like uh, like four, th- three, four outside linebacker? Or what do you think? He Jennings? Would? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, or uh, like maybe. Same with like DeAndre Walker out of Georgia. I think he's probably a three, four outside rush linebacker. Um, a lot of these top guys, the only guy who's getting uh, – who's getting a lot of love for like second or third round type picks um, that I think has a really good chance at sticking uh, is the two Devons. So Devin White and Devin Bush. And then a guy who might be around in the third round is uh, Voshan uh, Joseph out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he runs about 6'1", 225, 230. Uh, his 40 time from last season is way lower than his play speed. So if you see any 40-time stuff out there before the combine, um, ignore it. Because if you watch this guy on tape, this dude flies around. So he has kind of like an oversized safety build. He has a lot of experience blitzing. He's an effective blitzer. Um, He's solid in coverage, especially zone. He's good in run support. He's kind of like a seek-and-destroy guy. So one one thing that the scouting report I read, because I use the one website to start with, and then I will go watch tapes with that in mind, said, mm-hmm. like, make sure to watch the Georgia tape because it shows, like, how low the floor can be on Voshan Joseph. And, like, it's that that is harrowing tape. That He should, like, try to find every copy of it. He should try to, like, get it removed from the internet the way Beyonce did. You know, like, <laughs> how she, like, because, like, if you watch the other he games. He runs into every wrong gap. Great. And, but then in that game, he was, like, it was like, whoa, this is not great. So Yeah, you almost that, wonder if he was like injured, except he looks physically fine. The LSU the LSU game was like great though. So you you yeah, you're right. Like he's a project because the I think mentally he uh he needs to pick up some processing stuff. And if you know, Ken Norton Jr. was a linebacker, so hopefully we'd have the coaching staff to yeah, coach that. He up. has too many missed tackles. Uh, that was a big problem I had with him. And then I didn't like, there were way too many times where he would go in with his head down and then he would like miss the tackle or he'd fill the lane wrong. But uh, one of the problems I had last year was that we were putting linebackers in who didn't have the physical ability to handle NFL. Um, look at you, Austin Cletro. And Do you, I don't want Is there that any again. chance that he comes, he, well, he's coming back in the practice. He's, he's practice coming back squad, practice squad or, or, or he'll come back as like a special teams villain. Yeah. But. Okay. The the problem with him seeing the field is that he just wasn't fast enough, big enough, or strong enough. I want someone who at least has the physical ability to hang with these guys. So, uh, for that reason, Voshan Davis was interesting. I think what's much more likely is we take a stab at one or two guys somewhere between like the fourth and seventh round. 
And I could see that as a way of filling out the room. So there's five guys I want to throw Burger, out there. Burgers, burgers and fries. Exactly. You made uh, you made me do that, just so you know. So there's five guys I want to throw out there, and you tell me if any of them are interesting to you. So there's Ryan Connolly out of Wisconsin, uh, Chase Hansen out of Utah, Ben Burkirvan out of Washington, uh, Sione Takitaki out of BYU, and Ty Summers out of Texas Christian. I don't know anything, hardly anything about any of those guys, because, like, I don't. But all the... So... I've seen some of those names, and they're too far down the draft boards for me to like put a lot of effort into doing. I, I rely on you for that. All right, because <laughs> I'm like, is this guy? Because f- all those guys are day three players, right? They're yeah, all, all those guys are day three players. So they're so they're like so for me, I'm like, yeah, they could get drafted anywhere between the fifth and not drafted at all. Like all five of those guys you just named could go undrafted, and I wouldn't be super unreasonable to me. But all five of them could go in round four and five. Yep, and I'd be like, okay, that's also. It just depends how they do at the combine. The fact that we're doing all this before the combine makes it a lot harder, because you just never know. If one of those guys goes over up there, bench it runs presses, like a four five five and bench presses the building thirty two times. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, that's the guy. Now, now that guy's a third round pick or a fourth round pick. That's just how it works. Yep, you know, as long as he has two arms. Because I'm telling you, if Shaq had that combine and had two arms, there's no way he gets out of the third round. Yes, just, I agree. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Ryan Connolly played for Wisconsin, really solid guy, uh, played inside, play outside. Um, he's one of those like high floor guys. Mm-hmm. The only thing you wonder about is when you watch him on tape, if he's going downhill, he has good like closing ability, but he looks kind of slow if he's going backwards. So it's kind of like he's tight hipped mm-hmm. um, and his change of direction isn't great. So he'd probably be more like a strong side linebacker for us. And I don't know what his coverage skills look like translated to the NFL. But he does have some pass rush ability. Uh, Chase Hansen's the exact opposite. Chase Hansen is a converted safety um, for Utah. He's 6'3", about 220. And his problem is that he hasn't enough time at linebacker. So what he'll run into is if he's playing really close to the line, he wants to do the read and react thing, but sometimes he'll just fill the wrong gap. And it's like he just doesn't have a lot of experience reading from that close up. And so suddenly, like, the offensive line is in his lap and he doesn't know what to do about it. But if he can diagnose, you can tell the plays when he does because he's just a bullet on the field. And he has really good coverage skills from playing safety. So he's basically a box safety linebacker, which makes sense for filling a couple of different needs we have on the roster. Um, ben Burkirvin is one of those guys who isn't super fast or super strong, but he's kind of average or above average in all the physical tools area. But when you watch the film, he's always on the film at the end of every play. He's always in the pile whenever the ball gets stripped. He's like Johnny on the spot when a ball gets tipped up, you know, at some point, if someone is always in the position to be in on the play, that says something about the field awareness. So I feel like he's an interesting fit for uh, Seattle because he's going to be a later round pick because his physical tools aren't super impressive and he's only six foot two twenty. But he's a guy who would immediately come in and contribute on special teams because he's a sure tackler. And he can get down the field pretty fast. He can fill on the inside and the outside. And he's really interesting to me as a guy who might play a lot better than his ability says. 
Yeah, if he measures under six foot the combine, like that's that's where like so like Ben Burkirvan. Then he's a UDFA. And yeah, I was gonna say that's that's the way he gets killed is that he has to measure six feet, which is so stupid. But like a lot of teams will just pass on him. Because if he's five eleven and a half, it's, then he, that drops him out of the draft, which yeah. is so dumb. It's just like it, it will drop him from from fourth round to priority free agent, just like that. And it's it's unfair, but that's that's the reality of the way the NFL works. You yep. got to have the right body. Um, he will be a special teams demon. I yep. guarantee you that. Like he will be a guy who just kills on special teams, and he's just kind of a tackle machine kind of guy. So he would be really interesting to me for what we want i think he would look a lot like calitro on film in college except he has enough speed where if you watch him on the field against like ohio state he doesn't look like people are just running by him he looks like he can keep up and make plays uh so sioni takitaki out of byu He's 6'2", 230. He's got a lot of speed and quickness. He can go sideline to sideline. He played inside and outside. He can get a little over-aggressive and over-pursue, and he can't really go up the seam with you on man coverage, but he's pretty solid in zone coverage. He has some pass rush ability. And for his size, he has a lot of foot foot speed and quickness. Um, I watched him against Wisconsin, and he was all over the place making plays. Um, I watched him against a couple other teams in division play against kind of lower level competition and he does pop off the tape quite a bit the last thing about him is he has the neck roll mm-hmm. which anytime a linebacker wears the neck roll you i immediately like respect them more outside of the 90s <laughs> no way brian cox dude brian cox uh okay and then ty summers is super interesting i think that's a guy you'll like to watch film on so ty summers is out of tcu he's about 6 230 in that region he played defensive end inside linebacker and outside linebacker uh, primarily played defensive end and inside linebacker. He's a guy who could play a lot on the strong side for us immediately and could play all over the place if he needs to fill in for injury. What I liked about him was he looked instinctive as a pass rusher. He has a couple of moves as a pass rusher. He's just a little undersized. But then when they would have to put him out at linebacker due to scheme, he looked solid in coverage. He can close downhill. He can turn and run with a tight end. Um, he could drop into zone. So he looks a lot more comfortable doing that. He's a guy who like could immediately come in and take snaps at strong side linebacker for us. Okay. Um, I did have one guy that was late day. I forgot because I did research Drew Tranquil. And I my scouting report on him is that he does his job. And he probably is not a great athlete anymore because he's tore his ACL twice. Yeah, I was about to say he his <laughs> his, his leg fell off twice. For a college player, that's just and uh, he's twenty. Rough. He's gonna be twenty four next year too. That was another thing I like wrote down or like noted. Immediately. Yeah, because he he ended up getting like a fifth or a sixth year of eligibility because his leg fell off twice. <laughs> Gotta keep a, it. Sounds like a sixth year to me. It's twenty four. Uh, uh, you know what though, uh, Bosa's going to be first overall pick, and his leg fell off twice too. So yeah. just saying. But uh, but yeah, Drew Tranquil does good coverage, does his job. Uh, if they wanted to bring in someone who like has a high floor but a low ceiling, I think that that's a that's a guy you could totally see them run make a run at. Like hey, here's here's a he's probably better than Calitro. Like there he'll challenge Calitro. Um, yeah, that's 
that's my uh, his medicals are going to matter so much. That's why it's really, yeah. it's really hard. Like like I said, like if if uh, that's one of the reasons why we're delaying slightly on the defensive line because we really need some more numbers to sort some of these man, guys out. These measurables matter a lot for these guys. And the another thing about the way the Seahawks is is that the the cal- the class of linebacker they're going to go for is very different than a lot of other teams because we need a guy who can cover, a guy who stuffs run gaps and jumps gaps. Uh, and that, we're going to be looking for a physical freak. And that's that's what that's what we need. We need something different than most other teams. We need somebody who's fast. Um, I think we're looking for speed at linebacker, but not necessarily pass rush ability, which is why I keep looking at some of these slightly undersized guys. Okay, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this uh, kind of. I kind of have an idea about. It. So if, if we stay in our spots, the guy I would like us to take is if we pick a linebacker, Devin White. Would you guys? Would you agree with that, Kevin? I would. A slight trade down. I'm looking at like Devin Bush. Yeah, and I'm not super stoked about that, but I'd be cool with it. Um, and then, and then, and then, like a deeper trade down. Any of those five guys, you'd be fine with like picking off two of them. Yeah, if you pick off two of them in like the fifth and sixth round, I'm really cool with that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Eric. Yeah. We need to we need to depthen the roster at at linebacker. The deepening. Uh, oh, okay, Kevin. Joe Giles Harris. What do you think? Uh, I didn't get to watch any film on him. This, he's uh, a, out of Duke, I yeah, know who Duke. you're talking about. Uh, he's one that I just haven't gotten to yet in my scouting. Um, okay, let me let me um, let me try to refresh my memory since I like watched all these guys right in a row, and it's um, <laughs> it like it like sometimes it all blend blends together into like one one guy. Oh, okay, I remember now. He, this guy does his job too. He's smart, but he's not like the best athlete. So you're going, um, but he's going to be a Mike. Like he will play the position. Either the yeah. Bobby Wagner or he'll play next. He'll be able to play next to him. Like he's going to be able to play in a four three. That's a big problem that I have though. Is a lot of people that are uh, true middle linebackers. I kind of just skipped over because that's not what we're looking for. Don't don't you think though that like we ask we ask KJ to almost play like a modified middle linebacker ish position. I think the problem that you're having right now is that you are confusing the way that's treated in the college game versus in the NFL game. So. In the college game, if somebody is a pure Mike linebacker, mm-hmm. then they it's usually because they can't get to the outside and cover in a lot of ways. But, Unless you're like an elite program. Um, if you have a guy who's at a non-elite program and they have the speed to play to all areas, then what you'll see is a guy who lines up inside and outside. Um, if you see him lining up in the middle over and over and over again, it's probably because they're seen more as a run stopper. So uh, you'd be looking at a guy who probably runs like in well, the four eights. Joe Giles Harris, I did no. He covered some. He can cover some running backs. All right, so, good to know. So like maybe not tight ends. I might have to go back and watch. I'd him. be nervous about him covering like the Gronk. But, that scares me. Then, but I mean, everyone has trouble covering the Gronk except for Cam Chancellor. He ate his lunch. How about Travis Kelsey? Uh, well, I, I'm more afraid of the Gronk still. <laughs> that's that's me. Okay. Nathan thinks he'll see him in the Super Bowl. It's possible. It's possible. I'm not. We're not seeing Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl because I don't know if you know this, but Kansas City's head coach Andy is Reed. Andy Reid. He's never, never making it. <laughs> I, uh, I, he made it once, guys. Hey, it finally paid off. My, uh, my, my doubting Kansas City. It paid off. That's right. It, it took a long, off. took a long time, but uh, I went three and two on bets against on against Kansas City last year. I bet against them five times. Went three and two. Two and fifteen. Against you win. Them. So that's good. That's a winner. I'm a winner. Uh, 
Uh, you you fired the uh, all almighty decider question to me. I think what were you yes. gonna ask me? Yeah, how many bodies do we? Need? Yeah, do you think we need like one free agent, two draftees, uh, three guys, four guys? We have four draft picks. Do you want Michael Kendricks back? Like how, where are you? Where are all you right. at? Michael Kendricks in an orange jumpsuit. Yes, I want him back. Um, Bruce Irvin, that's being floated by one Mister Frank Clark. I'll take him back at a discount. That's two. Um, Calatro can uh, suck an egg. He's out. Honestly, I don't. We have two. I'm sorry. We have four draft picks right now. I don't want to bring in two linebackers via the draft. If we bring in like I don't know Ben Burkhaven in like the what, fifth round. What if we trade our fourth rounder for like a fifth and a sixth rounder? So we have if two fifths, two sixths, and a seventh. A lot of people are saying we're going to trade our first for like you know three picks, moving down quite a way. Um, I don't know. I still don't want. I, I'm fine with bringing in like undrafted free agents. You know, like two of them that we sign after the seventh round, but I think we probably need five bodies brought in because and that's going to shake down. And if get you, like a Puna if Ford are, kind of guy, if you are an undrafted free agent and you play linebacker, um, and like coverage linebacker specifically, and you you look at Seattle, and I think no matter what, you're going to see a spot where you could go and compete for a starting job, which is what a lot of those guys are going to look for. Right. So the problem with that is that. If you are a linebacker and you can play coverage linebacker, it is so hard for you to not get drafted because the NFL is thirsty for those, and there's not mm-hmm. a lot of them. And I'm sorry, who's the guy in the first round that you guys are kind of salivating over? Uh, Devin White. Okay, so Devin White. And I would uh, say I'm not crazy about him because I do think that there's a chance that he's there when we pick, and I would be totally okay with us just straight up using our pick to draft him. He's not like Ro- I think he's the most legit outside linebacker in this draft. And he's not Roquan Smith. Like if you look back at last year, everyone was like Roquan Smith slam dunk it. This guy rules. And you watch the tape and you're like, "Yes, slam dunk it. This guy rules." The fact that he fell to what 12 last year is re- stupid. And also makes me that's what makes me think Devin White's going to get overdrafted is cuz people are going to be like, "Well, this is the Roquan Smith of this draft." So we should draft him like we should have drafted Roquan Smith. And it's like, you, like he's a, the Roquan Smith of this draft in the same oh, way with, like, Kyler oh. Murray is the, uh, um, you know, Russell Wilson of And I apologize. Roquan draft. Smith went eighth last year. Um, but still he's really good. very, very good. And Tremaine Edmonds went 16th. I don't know. These guys, you can – I think that the, that there's a chance that we, we see uh, this guy available – and, um, and I, I think Tremaine White, Edmonds was also very, very good last year. And uh, what do you have, like 120 tackles? Yeah, don't be surprised if, uh, you know, I think Devin White could put together something like the uh, Leighton Van Der Esch. Mm-hmm. I think that he could look like that because he has similar size and movement skills. I'm also happy if we bring in some guys that can play that defensive end and switch out to linebacker. I kind of want to plant my flag on Devin White like I did with Derwin James, but he's just not Ooh. as exciting as... Derwin James. And the like, way we will utilize him makes it that way because we're not going to blitz him a lot. The thing that's interesting though is um, but he can blitz. he's going to play Bruce Irvin's position except when we go to two linebacker sets he's going to play KJ Wright's spot. And so that's really interesting because he's a, he, he'll be a four-down linebacker for us. And he's so fast. He can get sideline to sideline. Like, him and Bobby in the middle of the field, that's a... That's, that's a lot a, of speed. It's a lot of coverage. That, there's a lot of... there's that, that you can cover... You know, they say, like, what, 75% of the earth is covered by water? Well, the other 25%, 
would be co- would be covered by Devin White and Bobby Wagner. That's a fact. Uh, it would be like having just Earl, but like all over like the the first fifteen yards of the field. Middle of the field. Another Box th- Earl. Another thing too is that like he will be he will be um, farther away than you think. Like that's not, that's one thing I I think this is why I fell in love with uh, Deontay Thompson. Same thing. He'll is far he'll be so far enough away where I'm like he's not gonna make the play on this one. It's too far. And then he closes, and you're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and, then, and then he does, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. If you if you want to see something really cool, um, this is kind of uh, this is scouting porn. Uh, just go watch Devin White murder people's screen passes. <laughs> like, if the quarterback doesn't just put it on a rope, that if there's any loft to the ball at all, you'd be like, Devin White's like 20 yard. Devin White is in his face mask. Never mind. Like, the ball will get there as Devin White is just murdering the receiver. I do like when you Google Devin White highlights, too. Like, one of the first videos called Fastest Linebacker in the Country Fire Emoji Official Devin White LSU Highlights. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, that's a pretty fair assessment of just, like, what he is. He just, like, you think, like, he won't won't make that. That's too far. And then all of a sudden he's just dragging guys down or, like, just making plays that just no one else can make. It's... It's very difficult to... You to know a linebacker is fast when the wide receiver who's supposed to block him on the bubble screen... Can't catch him. ...turns around to look at him like, how did you get back there? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just just miss the dude. <laughs> it's just like too... It's just very far, yeah. And So yeah, Devin White would be maybe not as sexy of a pick as people think, but he would be an immediate impact player, both in the uh, pass rush and the run game and coverage. I have a- so he would be an upgrade for our team. I just don't think he's going to be around. Okay. All right. I mean, I do see like, but when he's I, the one linebacker I would draft at our pick. When yes. I Google, when I Google Devin White, there every team, every team in the like fifteen to twenty five range had an article on their like team website that's like why Devin, why Devin would be good on the Broncos, why he would be good on the Panthers. It turns why, out it's because he's good at football. Because because he, he's good. He, <laughs> you know, it's, that's the funny thing about good players is they're good on whatever team. You put one on. thing I I like about him is that it's um, it's not like a. Oh yeah, he would be. It's one of those guys that's like, oh, maybe there's upside, maybe there's downside. I just don't see any way he doesn't pan out to at least be like a useful NFL player, a quality NFL starter. I think like the, KJ Wright is his floor. Yeah, KJ. He's gonna be like he could be just another KJ. Yeah, that's like he. I would be, and he'd be great. KJ was KJ's really good. KJ's a good, really good three, four, uh, fourth outside linebacker. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's our that's our uh, our takes on on L on the LBs. Uh, any anything else we need to cover? That's it, right? That's it. All right. So uh, if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little as dollar twenty four a month. You can support us, uh, keep us going. I would love to say the names of all the Patreons, but you know what? Patreon's down for scheduled maintenance, so I'm not gonna do it. So Patreons, thank you very much, and uh, I. Can remember. Let me see if I can do it. Uh, Chuck Attila, uh, uh, Keith, <laughs> Michelle, Keith, um, Carrie, Kevin, Brett. Kev- Kevin, uh, uh, Josh, Meek River, Mike, Mike, Mike's on there. Yeah, Josh. Uh, the oh, um, Forest, Forest. Uh, Mirza. Mirza. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we got some. <laughs> it's not bad. Um, I, the thing is, it's like, I, ha- I have in my head right now some of the last names, and I'm like, I can't say the last names. Nope. <laughs> you got. I can only say the first names. <laughs> That's so, where we get in trouble. So like, I don't want to. I don't want to like call anyone out like that. But uh, yeah, uh, K- Kieran, 
Oh, Kieran. That's one. There you go. Oh, yeah. So they, we got a lot of cool pages. Brent. Um, eh. Come on, guys. Say my name. Uh. Wow. Another <laughs> terrible impersonation by Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is... Uh, Brent, your salt right, tastes so I'm gonna, good. I'm going to let um, people behind the curtain of the Seahawks nest because I'm sure that the, the, the fake fans, they turned it off already. They, they heard money's on. They're like, I'm out of here. The Seahawks analysis is over. Y'all about so to come inside baseball. The true baseball fans right are here. inside baseball. So, you know, as many know, Brett was a Brett was a founding member of the Seahawks Nest podcast. He, he two-man boothed with with uh, JD's ghost. And he <laughs> and he um when he when he would do that, uh he so he's the OG. Brett's the OG. So we in our he's in our we have a group chat and Brett's in it. And every week Brett sends us texts just like your impression of me sucks, and you all suck. <laughs> it's, 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 it's my like, favorite text to receive every week because it's like, yeah, we do kind of suck. Yeah, it, t- it tells <laughs> guys, us that we're doing. You guys right. are those terrible impersonations, and Kevin's is the worst. And it's like <laughs> it'll be a, a week I didn't do one. Yeah, it'll be a week I've done it all. It's like Kevin, I can't believe you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I also can't believe Black Panther didn't win the. That's because Kevin. That's because Brett's racist against redheads. But uh, you know, what can you do? It's not actually not me that's racist. It's just, just uh, can't decide the nineteen sixties election. I'm just racist the waist down. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Sorry. All right. Uh, anyway, so much love though. We yeah. If he wasn't our favorite person, we would, would not do this. Um, yes, that's why. Um, anyway, Kevin. <laughs> now Kevin's gonna get the hate mail again. Movie zone. Me and Kevin watched a movie this week that we just have to talk about. Yes. At the expense of burning some of the enjoyment of Eric, because he's gonna get a little spoiled. We so have to. Wa- we have to talk Netflix documentary. New, new-ish Netflix documentary, Behind the Curve. Okay, so for those who have not seen <laughs> Not it, Trouble with the Curve. Behind the Curve is a documentary on Netflix that is about um, flat, flat earthers. earthers. It's, not, it's not about like... Is Kyrie Irving in it? No, but he's mentioned. Uh, he's mentioned. mentioned. That's enough. So is Jack. So the main, the main guy is a guy from, from our area. From Whidbey Island, I yep, think? The that docu- is correct. Mark K. Sargent. The Mark. So Mark. The documentary kind of follows Mark Sargent and some other people he's pro, pro like prolifery connected to. So he's um he's connected to. There's a a, a woman. Her name is Patricia, and Patricia is a, a host of podcast, and she opens it up always by saying like I'm the hot potato or something weird like that, and uh then. She has a, it's a flat earth podcast that she does a lot with Mark. And then there's like a love story that they kind of weave in there. I, I still contend there are two love stories. There's love story between Mark and Patricia and love story between Mark and Mark's ego. Mark, dude, Mark thinks. Because Mark loves some Mark. Oh, Mark. And Mark loves the attention he gets from being a flat earther. <laughs> the, but one of the most enlightening parts of the movie is at the end when he says like, I can't leave this movement because, because what would I be without it? And it's like. Yep, that pretty much explains why you keep going, even though there's no reason to. Um, uh, I love the part at the beginning where he's like, there's flat earthers everywhere. I'll be doing this and like get stopped by someone and they'll be like, hey, are you the Mark Sargent? I'm, I was wearing my I'm Mark Sargent shirt. And it's like, dude, you're wearing a shirt with your name on it. Like he wears shirts all the time that says I'm Mark Sargent. Ask me about flat earth. Yep. Like wow. basically, and then he's like, people time. recognize me by name everywhere when I wear this shirt that has my name on it. Judging by this and the scientific experiments you tell me they do, that they are, uh, they're really just seeing past everything. This is one of the most surreal watching experiences I've ever had. It's there have been a few uh, documentaries that have been about kind of uh, inside baseball. There's one that made the rounds in like Oscar circles a couple years back. Do you remember Tickled? 
Yes. And it was a documentary that, about tickling. The competitive tickling. And then you watch that documentary and it's not about what you think. And the colder you go into that movie, the better. So I And would, it's an incredible watch. I would never, ever, ever want to do it for Movie Club because the less you know... Yes. The more you're going to enjoy that movie. Because you think like, you hear it, you're like, oh, competitive tickling documentary. I'll watch that. I think I know what it's about. You don't. <laughs> you have no idea what this is. Uh, this is streaming right now, so don't talk about it anymore. Yeah, I will not. Like, that's no, it. That's, that's what not. you get. But what I will say is <laughs> that watching experience, the surreal nature of it, and the way you exit that documentary is gives me a similar vibe to this, where the whole time you're watching it, you're like, how deep is this frigging rabbit hole that I am now in? Another thing, too, that I really... Okay, the reason I re- this documentary really um, connected with me and touched me, and touched me is because I... So, I watched it kind of thinking like, okay, Flat Earth, I just want to like kind of laugh a little bit. This will be silly. It'll be fun. The documentary will probably be really slanted. But what they did that was really smart is they humanized the people that are in the video. Um, they really humanized all the people who are into Flat Earth, and they... I mean, they made it really obvious. These are mildly broken people who have been pushed to the edges of society, and they and they have this thing that they brings them all together, and they're they feel more connected to other humans because of this thing, and that and it's it's kind of um, it's kind of sad and tragic in a way, and it and it and it kind of makes this it makes the movie uh, a little better than yeah the merry band of misfits element is very much prevalent when they just cut to like six people in a row who are like yeah i got a divorce and then then i found flat earth or oh my whole family left and then i'm now i'm in this this is my all the people i've got are these only people i talk to are these flat earth people it's like this is sad like no one would talk to this person so they had to find people and this is who they found you know what I mean? It, it's yeah. It's a little. It's it's a little bit like you know. And then that that speech that the the they, had, they have NASA scientists towards the end. They're talking in a bar, and that guy was talking about how like it's sad that these flat Earth people because we lost maybe good scientists. Yeah, the guys people... like this. The the fact we have flat earthers and these movements um, is basically a uh, a black mark on the scientific community and the way that we have sort of put science in this unobtainable realm where people feel looked down upon to the extent they'll dig themselves they'll dig their heels in on such provably false concepts yeah and research them with the amount with the amount of research energy these people are putting in to easily provably false concepts is fascinating yeah, could and if we put it if we put that towards good use, like we could maybe have some real scientific breakthroughs. All right, let me go through some highlights for me. Um, the supercut when that guy is talking about the experiments he wants to do and how he has to keep changing the experiment because he's not getting the result I want, and the guy cutting back to the difference between uh, between skepticism and uh, denial and denial is is an AA plus plus. So something we didn't really talk <laughs> about. This movie is doing a very beautiful thing where. Instead of the filmmakers doing any commentary... There's no commentary. There's none. There's, like... The guy behind the camera asks a question, like, three times. And it's really just one of those, like, hey, can you talk more about that? Kinds of things. Uh, What's really happening here is you'll get, like, a nice 20 to 30 minute brick of the Flat Earthers kind of explaining what's going on and walking you through things and everything. And then they'll just cut to somebody in an accredited field. It'll be a psychologist or a scientist, something like that. 
and they will basically explain like there's uh there's a cut to someone explaining the dunning kruger effect there's a cut to someone explaining the scientific process and there's a few moments where like one of the scientists be like oh oh they're doing that experiment oh that's going to be really difficult for them to explain yeah that should be interesting like that that happens a couple of times because they're these actual legitimate scientists who'll explain like here's how the scientific process would work and then they'll go to the person from the flat earth society they'll be like here's our process behind this experiment and it'll be very clear how they're skipping some important steps the okay um more i'm gonna go through more highlights though uh okay there's two experiments that they run uh, in the video, they try to do a third one, but these they can't, might be they can't the best two scenes. So, oh, there's a better one, I, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna save it for last. The, so, the first experiment oh, they run in the, when she's in the car, that's nope. the best scene. No, I, I have a better, I have one that I like better than uh, that. I want to do that one though. Okay, so he's in the, they're in the, um, the first experiment they run, they get a laser gyroscope and they say, okay, the earth moves at 360 degrees in a day. So every hour, divide that by 24, it'll move 15 degrees. So this thing should drift about 15 degrees. So they do the experiment in one hour. They do the experiment, it drifts 15 degrees. They say, okay, well, it, it's looking at the, it's looking at the heavens instead of the earth because the heavens are moving. So instead we're going to put it in a like clay box and then we're going to try the experiment again. It moves 15 degrees again. They say, well, now we have to repeat the experiment. And the whole time they're supercutting with it to this thing where it's like, if you're doing an experiment and you're looking for a specific result, you're not a skeptic anymore. You're, and you're willing to, unwilling to accept anything that goes against your view. You're not being skeptical. You're being, you're being, you're in denial. And like, it's like super great. Then the second experiment they do is in the last scene of the movie, they have these three boards and they're each 17 feet apart and they cut holes in the boards the same height. And then the guy goes, well, this is to, uh, show, the lack of curvature yeah, in so the he earth. Says, so he says, because there's no curvature in the earth, if you hold the light exactly at your chest, uh, 17 feet high, then uh, and you're standing on this thing or whatever, and then you, then I will be able to see the light because the earth is flat. And if it's, the earth is curved, you'll have to hold it above your head and get too close to 20-something feet, and then I'll be able to see it. So then he does experiment. He's like, okay, start the experiment. He's like, are you holding that at your chest? And he's like, I can't. He's like, I can't see it. I can't see it. And then the guy goes, he goes, hold it above your head. And he holds it over his head, and he goes... He goes, I can see it now. Ah, uh, interesting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just like so stupid. And the, I think the guy's last line in the movie is, it wasn't quite the results we were looking for. Yeah. Or something along those lines where you're like, oh. Yeah. It's... He's completely missed it. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't understand science at all. Um, okay, so... You, know you do the car scene, and then I'll do my favorite scene. So my favorite scene in the whole movie, uh, Patricia, the podcast host... Um, she's in the car talking to the film crew as they're driving to an event and she's explaining how elements of the flat earth movement have, uh, turned against her and she's explaining the outlandish theories that these flat earthers have where they're trying to say that she is like a, a crisis at she works for WB. Yeah, she works there, for uh b- by the way, there's a Time Warner. There's a crazy guy at the center of this who claims he's a NASA artist, which may or may not be true. I can't I didn't look I did not research that. But then he says he was hired to draw pictures of the globe earth and and he's the center, he's the original flat earther, and he's like really mad at Mark Sargent and Patricia because they are not real. They're, he accuses them of being government plants. Oh, it's uh, so that wow. are infiltrating the flat earth community to mislead them. That's a great conspiracy conspiracy theory so uh this lays down the theory like things like 
she's explaining like they say all these crazy things about me like my first name's patricia the last three letters in patricia are cia so i'm a cia plant and um you know i've shown them that uh photos from when i was a kid and i've shown them my driver's license and they still don't believe me and even though there's all of this evidence they're just going to believe what they want to believe and she goes through all that and she's like and it makes me question for a minute if i'm in if it's like this alternate thing where is that how I'm being with the flat earth thing? And she gets so tantalizingly close to rational thought before she just goes, but I know that can't be true because the earth's flat. And you're like, oh, you almost had a thought. Like, oh, you <sighs> you were so close to understanding things. And then, and then you just, you just, you just coughed it up at the end. You just couldn't quite get there. Yeah, that, uh, that's my friend Jeremy's favorite part too. Okay, my favorite part is when Mark, Sergeant, and Patricia go to the NASA museum, and they're just like kind of <laughs> trashing on the NASA museum the whole time. And then they're talking about how, like how janky it is, and like, oh, this broken watch, oh, this is, this is terrible. And then, and then they, there's one part. Where Mark's sitting in this machine. And it's supposed to like be like a simulator. You're supposed to sit in the simulator and do like a like a moon landing or a, a satellite drop or something like that. And he's like trying to push the screen like it's a touch screen and it says because the screen says press start to do it and so he's like look at this it's broken it doesn't even work and he's like pushing the screen a whole bunch of times and then the he walks away all all angry and, and making fun of the thing and then the cameraman just <laughs> slow pans to ne right next to his seat there's a giant green button that says start on it wow <laughs> it was like the best part because it just shows like how the people in this movie they Committed. will they will be so short-sighted in service of wanting what they believe to be true to be true um and there's a guy that guy at the beginning of the movie with the hammers with the ping yes. pong balls and he's like walking up to cars and being like hey guys you know the earth is flat like and he like aggressively accosts a nasa employee in a starbucks and then gets mad that he gets kicked out of the starbucks yeah, so he opens it up with i was i was just asking a few questions to a nasa guy in a starbucks and they kick me out and then it shows the video that this guy took and uploaded. And this opening question to the NASA guy is, so why do you hate Americans? Gosh. No, that's not what the opening question was, but that's how he, he started yelling that at him over and over at the end. Oh, it seemed like that was his first question because the guy's reaction to it. No, it's, it, it's, just, okay. it's just so... It was still just ridiculous. Yeah, it, I mean, it sounds so sad that... Like you guys said, that these people are kind of like it's and, their misfit community. And when Mark, when Mark was talking about the solar eclipse, like oh, I was like, I was like, <laughs> he saw the solar eclipse and he was amazed by it. And I was like, oh, maybe he's starting to like put stuff together. And he's like, he basically was like, the sun was winking at me. Yes, like that was his response to. The, <laughs> and I was just like, oh my god, this guy. It was so like he just on the spot came up with like this is my justification because I know I couldn't see what I saw. What do they? What do they think? Like, do you fall off the earth, or what do they think about that? It's a dome. It's like the oh, Truman Show. Okay. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Anyway, Mark Sargent might listen to this podcast because he's his mom wears a Seahawks sweatshirt like in the entire documentary. So that's enough. Well, thanks, thanks for that, Mark Sargent. Um, so yeah, and Mark Sargent. Mark, mom. if you're out there, we uh, we will care about you, and we just hope that you find uh, the actual truth. <laughs> the actual truth. Um, and uh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. All right, for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronovec, we will see you next week. Go Hawks. The truth is out there.